and then there were 16. Welcome back inside Full Court Press. I'm William Griffin. Great to have you with us here as we recap the round of 32 and preview this weekend's Sweet 16 action. Joining the show to help me do that is a man who struggles as a New York Jets fan. I can't imagine. I'm sorry, dude. I had to. My man, Jackson Holzer. Okay, Jackson, putting the whole Jets thing aside, how are you doing? Well, thank you for saying to put the whole Jets thing aside because that is inherent misery. But other than that, I'm doing pretty well. I've had a pretty good day. How are you? I'm spectacular, and I am ready to get going, dude, because it is a fun one. Before we get into tournament coverage, we've got some NBA to talk about and some NHL. And it begins with the NBA trade deadline. The trade deadline saw many moves. The Orlando Magic cleaned house, sending Evan Fournier to Boston, Aaron, Aaron Gordon to Denver, and Nikola Vucevic to Chicago. The Miami Heat made a power play, acquiring Victor Oladipo from the Rockets. Finally, the Atlanta Hawks and LA Clippers had a good old swap as Rajon Rondo is now a Clipper and Lou Williams is now a Hawk. Jackson, a lot of big changes here. So what stands out to you? All right. So I have winners, losers, and people that honest or teams, excuse me, that I honestly don't care too much about. So the winners are definitely the Miami Heat for acquiring Victor Oladipo for basically nothing. The Nuggets getting Aaron Gordon, I think that's a great move. I'm not sure if it puts them ahead of the Lakers or the Clippers in the West, but it certainly does close that gap. Um, the Bulls getting Vucevic is kind of mad because I think it's a great player, but it's not a great team, and it doesn't really put them over the top. Um, the Clippers acquiring Rondo is a nice pickup, but you know you just lost a store in Lou Williams, so I don't love that. And the Magic, I mean, they're in no man's land, so I mean, I don't blame them for trading Vucevic or Gordon. Um, they have to keep that tank going, I guess, but they got good enough value for them, so they're not a complete loser. Um, but speaking of losers, definitely the Boston Celtics Ooh. because, once again, they just don't know how to cash in on their assets. I don't care about Leonard – or not, not – Fournier, baby. Fournier. Fournier. <laughs> um, the Lakers could have used another star, in my opinion. Uh, we'll see if they can get Ar- or Andre Drummond at the, in the buyout market and the Rockets because they got nothing for Oladipo. Um, it's not part, really, of the Harden trade, but – um, I feel like they still could have gotten more for Oladipo. What about you, Liam? So dare I say it, one of the losers here is the Brooklyn Nets because it looks like Aldridge is leaning towards the Heat when he gets bought out, and J.J. Redick is going to Dallas, whom the Brooklyn Nets wanted. Not that they need either of those two players, but it would have made an already stacked lineup even more stacked. But that's a discussion for another time. I think the big winner here is the Clippers. I really do because it is I've been I've gone on this podcast a number of times, even though I don't like the guy. I've defended Rajon Rondo's playoff performance hundreds of times on this show. Hundreds of times. He's a whole nother level come playoff time. I guarantee you the Lakers probably don't beat the Heat if they didn't have Rondo. I guarantee eh, you. he's a difference one. maker on a scale hitherto unheard of. He is I mean, that, he's that I mean, important to the, the – he was that important to the Lakers. He was that important to the Celtics. He's going to be that important to the Clippers. That's why they are my big winner. And obviously, Old Depot, that was that was a heist in my opinion. As for the Celtics, you know, Jerry's still out on them in my opinion. I don't know what to expect at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, it, you should just expect that you're never going to get what you want at the deadline with the Celtics or in the oh, offseason oh, in general. Oh, I've already – dude, we, we had a shot at Jimmy Buckets um, however many years ago. Didn't happen. We Kawhi had a shot Leonard. At Kawhi Leonard. 
Kawhi Leonard? What? Yeah, you guys could have traded for Kawhi Leonard. Well, that's the first I've heard of this. AD, really? no. You don't remember that? No, I first I've heard of it. But, you know, I've come to expect pain and misery. Hopefully this Evan Fournier mystic mystery is in our favor. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I think you're going to be wrong on that, though. I don't think Evan Fournier is really that special, Liam. Of course you But, um, <laughs> well, Liam, trades can make or break a team season. Uh, where those teams will fall is still be determined. Tough news in Charlotte, though, is LaMelo Ball is set to miss the remainder of the season. LaMelo sustained the injury last Saturday, and news came out Sunday afternoon that the rookie of the year frontrunner is out with a fractured wrist. Tough news for Charlotte as he was averaging 16.6 rebounds and 66. Liam, is he still the rookie of the year in your eyes? In my eyes, yes. In the committee's eyes, no. Here's why. Four years ago, 2016-17, the undisputed best rookie of that class, as much as I hate to say it, Joel Embiid. He didn't win rookie of the year because he only played 31 of 82. They gave it to, I'm pretty sure they gave it to Malcolm Brogdon, who I'm pretty sure is Indiana right now, but... He's kind of fallen off the face of the earth since since he left Milwaukee, if you ask me. So I don't think that LaMelo Ball is going to win, but he's undisputedly the best rookie in the class, hands down. As for who will win it, I think the front runner right now is Anthony Edwards. And in my humble opinion, this rookie class has been fairly underwhelming, so I don't really see anyone else winning it other than him. Yeah, I, I happen to agree with you. I think LaMelo has clearly been the best rookie in the NBA so far, but due to the fact that he's going to miss about half the season – I don't think he really deserves Rookie of the Year just based on recent trends. You already mentioned Joel Embiid. And I also agree with you, it's probably going to be Anthony Edwards. He's having a pretty good year, even though the Timberwolves are just awful. Um, he can't really do much about that. There was a reason why they were the number one pick. Um, so I'll go more into, like I guess, the medical side of it. I'm not really a doctor here. Um, I don't know how a broken wrist is going to be an entire season injury or whatever, but... Um, it sounds like it's not like super serious or whatever. It's obviously a bummer for LaMelo himself and the Charlotte fans because he was giving him a sign of life. But um, it doesn't sound like it's that serious of an injury. He's just going to take half the season off, I guess, and he'll be able to regroup next summer and continue the development. Yeah, and I mean, you think to LeVar, LeVar Ball was right that LaMelo is going to be the best of the Ball brothers. Oh, it's yeah, absolutely, plus. absolutely. Bonzo has... Lonzo's okay, I guess. He didn't get traded like we thought he was going to. And Leangelo Ball, quite frankly, has fallen off the face of the earth. LaMelo Ball, undoubtedly the best of the trio. And two years down the line, that Charlotte Hornets team could be really exciting, especially if Gordon Hayward continues to find a stride. If scary Terry Rozier, God, I wish we had him in Boston right now, keeps balling out. I mean, that could be a really good team. But he was having a great season. Bummer to see him go out. Been a busy day for the Miami Dolphins. They've made trades with both San Francisco and Philadelphia. Put it all together. The Niners end up with the third overall pick. The Dolphins have the sixth, a fifth rounder, a future third, and a future first. While the Eagles have number 12, a fourth rounder, and a future first. Jackson, lots to sink in. What do you make of these deals for Miami? All right. So, these, yes, there is a is lot to sink in home, with this your, trade. Your hometown, unless I'm mistaken, even though you're a Jets fan, uh, honestly, yeah, I mean, it is my hometown. They're all going insane. Uh, every Dolphins fan that I've talked to is in favor of what just happened. Um, I feel like, I, I said this earlier to someone, I feel like they're playing Madden franchise right now with all these, like, moving with draft picks. It just doesn't make any sense to me. This just never happens. But um, 
So the Dolphins, obviously, they get another massive haul. They're clearly going to stick with Tua, so we can put to bed rumors that they're taking a quarterback. Um, the Niners are literally just going all in. They're going to trade Garoppolo, unlike what they're saying. And the Eagles, they're only doing this because they want more draft picks. Um, they could have three firsts next year if Wentz plays, I believe, 75% of the snaps for the Colts, which he should, unless he just doesn't play well or he gets injured. Um I'll take a Jets angle on this one because I am a Jets fan. It is probable that the 49ers contacted the Jets with a very similar offer to move up to number two. I know Adam Schefter denied it, but literally just like use your head for a second here. Why would the 49ers want to wait for what the Jets are going to do? They probably did contact them. I'm sure they, point, I'm sure they did. If you get three first rounders and a third rounder i don't know how you don't trade down no matter how good i mean you must think zach wilson is some legendary guy which with all due respect i know he had a great pro day today but i don't really care how good you are in shorts it just doesn't it doesn't matter um so i think the jets they got to trade down now like they got to call denver or carolina and see if they're willing to move up give up like four first rounders and just rebuild with Sam Darnold at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't sound like, uh, geez, I don't even know. Robert Sala, that's your head coach. Yes. It sounds like he's uh, not too fond of Sam Darnold, so I don't think we'll be seeing much of him down in East Rutherford anytime soon. But, and yeah, this is just massive. I'm going to take a, you took the San Francisco side of things pretty well in Miami. I'm going to take it, I'm going to talk about the Philly angle and the New England angle because this trade undoubtedly affects the Patriots, but I'll talk about the Eagles first. Of course, so, of course it affects the Patriots. It has to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, whatever. So from a Philadelphia standpoint, and I know our pal Braden Reed has been talking about this on Twitter a lot, wanting a playmaker like Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, I think it's safe to say that all three of those guys will be off the board at number 12. So I'm not really convinced as to what Philadelphia is doing in the short term. The long term, if they get back to the Super Bowl in a few years, hey, kudos to them. They, I was wrong. But from a New England standpoint, I mean, I think the obvious thought in, across Foxborough and all of New England right now is, what does this mean for Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, as much as I want to see Cam Newton with actual weapons this year, I'd rather have Jimmy Garoppolo with actual weapons this year. Plain and simple. So, so, so you want you want two injured quarterbacks instead of one injured quarterback. Oh. That's what you want. Okay, first, Jimmy G never got injured in New England. I'm just gonna throw that out there, but you know. Yes, he did. He did get injured. He missed in New one England. game. He missed one game. He did get injured. He missed one game. Yeah, but he got injured. One game, not season-ending, like what he's going through in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Haters gonna hate. Just gonna. That's all I'm gonna say. I mean, I'm a Jets fan. Come on, I have to hate. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, yeah. But what does it mean for New England? A Garoppolo trade is absolutely on the table. As for Philadelphia, what are you going to do with 12? Not much. Um, I, I don't know what Philly's going to do with 12. I just know that Philly's not playing for this year. They're going to basically throw Jalen Hurts into the wolves and see if he can somehow survive. And if not, they'll be the number one pick next year, and they'll be taking a quarterback. Fly, it's not that Eagles fly on the road to a number one pick. Yep, that's exactly what's happening. And hey, if Jalen Hurts surprises the world, which I think it's possible, you know, he's a sleeper it's in fantasy not football, out of the question he can of... run. If he surprises the world, 
Um, and they're they're looking good next year. They're going to have probably three first round picks as they laid out. So yeah, absolutely more players. I mean, would you rather have Jamar Chase or trade a little bit back? You could still get a playmaker. It's a deep receiver class, and then have three firsts next year. It makes sense. I mean, it's it's the that I don't know the insides and outs of that organization. I'm not an expert on how front offices work. So if it works for them, kudos. But I don't see the path at this point in time. All right. Well, let's move on. So with the 49ers getting Bosa and company back, they could be scary once again. But you know what isn't scary? The Buffalo Sabres. They have lost 16. Yes, I repeat, 16 consecutive games which is the longest ever in the shootout era, which goes back to the 2005-2006 season. With the realigned division format this year, Buffalo plays only seven teams total, but they play each once eight times across the entire NHL. That's kind of how it's very similar structure. Um, But the familiarity factor hasn't helped the Sabres as of late. Actually, it's probably hurt the Sabres as of late. So, Liam... I don't know if we're going to have much of a disagreement as to what's going on, but what do you make of this recent slide? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really am. But this what is... was it, the 16 that got you? Oh, really? No. <laughs> this is pathetic. This is pathetic. I mean, and we just saw one of the worst losing streaks in recent NBA history with the Houston Rockets losing 20 in a row, but this is just sad, man. I mean, you play the same teams over and over again, and you can't win once? I mean, come on! You're only playing. You're playing 56 games this year, right? You're only playing seven teams. You gotta think that a 16-game losing streak would be out of the question in a regular 82-game season, let alone this wonky season where you're only playing seven squads. I mean, this is just downright pathetic, plain and simple. I have no other words. Yeah, I don't know if we're gonna really disagree much on how awful the Buffalo Sabers are. When you lose 16 games, you're going to be a punchline. So congratulations on making it to the show. I honestly don't know what's more impressive. I I really don't. Hear me out. Josh Allen's development for the Bills or how extremely terrible the Sabres are. I don't know what's more impressive because Allen's Allen's development, it shocked me. But, I mean, losing 16 straight, like, that's really hard to do. Like, that's impressive. Especially, it's even more impressive – when the team has Jack Eichel, I know he's injured, but he was not injured for the first half of this streak. Taylor Hall, who won a Hart Trophy. Rasmus Ristolainen, who was like a top defensive, he was a top defenseman a few years ago. And Rasmus Dahlin, who was the number one pick in the draft. I don't understand how you ruined those people. They well, ruined them. Well, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but Jack Eichel unfollowed the Sabres on Instagram. Oh, that's like the classic, like, that's a demanded trade right there. But I will say. I know that they, they did trade Eric Stahl. They, they traded, traded to Montreal, Stahl to Montreal right? Yep. And I will say, hey, Hall's on that expiring deal. Eichel, getting shot. We will happily take them in Boston in the uh, blink we'll of an them. eye. We'll take them in Florida. Oh, I'm a Florida God. Panthers fan. We'll gladly take Taylor what? Hall or and Jack Eichel. You could throw them in there, too. First of all, I know. Welcome to relevancy, like, by the way. Your team was irrelevant thank you, until thank this you, year. Thank you. We're finally, we're finally somewhat relevant, although we're dealing with some injuries right now, so we're in a little bit of a slide. But uh, we're not as bad as Buffalo, and that is something I can be proud of. Okay, if that's what you're proud of, then that's a problem. But okay, but overall, it's not easy to lose 16 straight. Do you know what is easy? Podcasting with Anchor. Now the moment you've all been waiting for, NCAA tournament coverage. We start out with my sim- 
Simple, my friend. Last weekend, round of 32, give me the takeaways. Okay, so takeaways. Well, first off, I would like to announce to everyone that my bracket is in shreds. Um, I had Illinois, Ohio State, and Texas in my final four. So it is the other team was Gonzaga. Well, they're doing well, but everyone else just decided to not show up this tournament. Um, overall takeaway, though, um, I'll go a little bit uh, sentimental here. It's been really fun. It's March Madness. It's winner go home. It's not at this point. You got to expect upsets to happen. That's what the tournament is all about. That's what makes it so much fun. But it's been one of my favorite tournaments just because we didn't have this last year. Like I, I can't even say it anymore. Like we just we didn't have this last year, and I was so excited for the round of sixty four, round of thirty two. It's almost like I'm not even that mad that my bracket is awful because you know my bracket is awful but I still have a bracket, unlike last year. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, this has been my favorite tournament, not only because the sentimental factor of not having it last year. I mean, this has been, in my opinion, the wildest tournament since I started following this tournament way back in 2010, 2011. This has been insane. Like, my bracket is so messed up. I'm also not mad that it's been this crazy. And then another note here, it's just been being the fact that we are freshmen in college and that our team is in the Sweet 16, I think it's just been so much fun. It has been so much fun. I know I was stuck in a hotel room for the first two games, but me and the boy is going to grab some pizza tomorrow night. Watch, uh, be, be, watch very, the... be very careful. You don't want to end up back in a hotel room. No, that's no. I don't think that's going to happen. I got my three first, times. I got... Three times in like three weeks. Can you set the record? Hopefully not. I got my first vaccine shot today, so hopefully we can avoid that. That doesn't do much for the first, like, week. <laughs> oh, well, okay. But, yeah, I mean, looking forward to watching that game tomorrow night. It's going to be awesome. Campus has been buzzing all week. I got my I got my special NCAA tournament shirt to wear for tomorrow's game. The Just Us Orange shirt they've been wearing. It's going to be awesome. So is, I, I cannot wait. It's, go, to it's going be to be awesome. a wild... Four days with two days to Sweet 16, two days of Elite Eight. Then next weekend, we got the Final Four. It's going to be insane. Yep, it is going to be insane. And we'll get more into the picks later on in the show with regarding Syracuse, especially because since we you know go to this school. All right, so a theme this tournament has undoubtedly been how bad the Big Ten has been so far. A conference people were calling the best in years began the NCAA tournament with a whopping nine teams, but disappointing losses by Purdue, Michigan State, and Ohio State whittled that number down to six by round two. And now only one team remains, the Michigan Wolverines. Baylor, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Iowa, and Maryland all lost in the round of 32. Liam, only one Big Ten team remains in the Sweet 16. Does that take away from the overall great season they've had as a conference? First of all, my apologies to you. In oversight in the script on my part, I wrote down Baylor. I meant oh, to write down did. Illinois. Yes. Baylor, Baylor is not in the in the Big Ten. That, that is on me, not on you. Sorry to the listeners. but And they are in the Sweet 16. They are in the Sweet 16. We'll get into their matchup with the Villanova Wildcats later. But yes, it takes away from the overall great season they had. I mean... I thought for sure that a team from the Big Ten was going to win the NCAA tournament. I thought for sure. And a lot of people at Citrus did too. Like People like Cam McCauley, Noah Searson, they were convinced that a Big Ten team was going to win. I I with them. And it is... The Big Ten should honestly be ashamed of themselves. They really should. I mean, you put nine teams in the NCAA tournament, the most of any conference, 
and you get one team in the Sweet 16, I mean, that's pretty bad. And that's mentioned the team with the most, no disrespect, is the Pac-12. Who saw that coming? I mean, who Not saw me. that coming? I had USC in there, yeah, but I sure as heck didn't have Oregon State, UCLA, or Oregon. I mean, bonkers. We'll talk more about Oregon State, but the point is, is that that team was not even qualifying for the NIT a few, like maybe a month ago. Weeks ago, here they are in the Sweet 16. I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I don't think it takes away from how great of a season they've had or any of these teams, and here's why: because the tournament is inherently fluky. It's it's fluky every year. It's like you get only one chance. Aside from Ohio State, like Ohio State should be ashamed themselves. I feel like their punishment should be that they shouldn't have a football team next year because they lost to Oral Roberts. That's disgusting. But oh. every other team is legitimate, and they lost because they got like a cold shooting night, and that's what happens in the tournament. It's like you get one chance. It's not best of seven. It's not even best of three. If you have one cold shooting night, you can't hit a three. You can't buy a basket. You can't get a stop. Someone on the other team goes off with 35 points. They're going to lose. And that means your season is over. Let me counter. So, let me counter you there. Let me counter you there. You talk. You said doesn't have an impact because they had a great regular season. What are the 2015-16 Golden State Warriors remembered by? Their 73-9 season or their blowing a 3-1 lead? They're remembered for blowing, blowing, a, three blowing a three. They are remembered for blowing a 3-1 lead. Put they aside the fact that Draymond. Both, yeah. Put aside the fact that Draymond Green was out for Game Five. They blew a 3-1 lead, hands down. Unacceptable, especially when you break the record for best I regular think that's season in NBA more history. They're remembered for. I think they're more. It's like a combined. Like they went seventy-three and nine, and they blew a three-one lead. But oh. you know who you're leaving out? They blew a three-one lead to maybe the second greatest basketball. Some people argue the best basketball player of all time. In okay. LeBron James. Okay. They it's lost, LeBron James. They lost game three without Kevin Love. So I mean, the Warriors lost game three. Kevin Love was not playing in that game. I mean... Well, Kevin Love was MIA the entire series. Did, did you not see... <laughs> no, 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 hold on. He's defense on Steph Curry. I don't even know why we're getting into this here. We're supposed to be talking <laughs> college basketball, but his defense on Steph Curry in the last minute of Game 7, in my opinion, won Cleveland the series. I mean, you go back and watch that highlight, it's magnificent defense. Some of the best I've ever seen, especially from a big man on Steph Curry. You know what the good news is, though, for those Warriors teams? Is that they got Kevin Durant in the offseason, and they made up for it with two straight championships. Yeah, they so did, but... We don't all, we don't really remember that anymore. It kind of goes on LeBron's legacy. Yeah, the, the big, is almost irrelevant. Big Ten certainly hasn't had success this time around, but like we mentioned, the Pac-12 has. They begin the tournament with five teams. Four of them remain. USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Oregon State. They're all still dancing. And Bill Walton's favorite conference has a chance for greater success this weekend. Jackson, will they find said success? Um, I have no idea how they are, how the Pac-12 is doing this. I'm not going to spoil my picks for this weekend because we'll get into that topic next. But I actually do have two Pac-12 teams advancing. And that's including a matchup that's going to take place this weekend between USC and Oregon. And I'll start there. So, obviously... I think USC was probably the best team out of the Pac-12, maybe. It's an argument because they have Evan Mobley, who's the best player. Um, Oregon is also a very good team in their own right. So one of them will be eliminated. But, hey, at least one Pac-12 team will be in the Elite Eight. That we know. 
Um, UCLA, so they got a tough matchup against Alabama, but so far they look so much better than 11 seed. They almost look like Syracuse out there. And they also played in the first four against Michigan State. I liked how they played. Then they handled BYU and Abilene Christian pretty well. I, overall, I, I haven't seen anything wrong so far with UCLA in this tournament. And Oregon State, I mean, this team came out of nowhere. I mentioned earlier that they weren't even going to qualify for the NIT in late February. They were like 500. They somehow won eight of nine. I mean, they beat Colorado, Tennessee, and Oklahoma State with projected number one pick, Kate Cunningham, in the lineup. It's just incredible. I don't know exactly if they can keep it, this up. Actually, I do. If you want to say that two of the four teams advancing is keeping up the success, then I will say yes. They're not keeping up the success. I'll get into that later. Because success for me would be three of them advancing. That's not going to happen. More well, that then later. that would that would, it's not really fair because you know USC and Oregon play against each other. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I'll get into my picks for those games later, but I think they have a chance to. I really do. If Oregon State can keep playing the way they're playing, UCLA can keep playing the way they're playing. UCLA draws a tough card with the Alabama Crimson Tide, and then USC Oregon play each other. Some people, someone on Twitter said it's going to be the best game of the NCAA tournament. That's a bit bold in my opinion, but. You never know. We could be in for a treat. Uh, we never know these days. We indeed do not. So how many teams do you have advancing? You don't have to spoil it who it is. Um, I will tell you who's advancing later. All I'm right. keep it a surprise. Well, Liam, we've been talking a lot about conferences, but we can't not address the elephant in the room, and that is Oral Roberts. They pulled out another close win over Florida on Sunday, which, by the way, I'm a Florida fan, also a Syracuse fan. Uh, they're the second 15 seed of all time to make a run to the Sweet 16. They have a chance to become the first to reach the Elite Eight against Arkansas tomorrow. Liam, we'll talk about the game later, but is this the greatest Cinderella run of all time? I've been going back and forth on this all day, and just plain and simple, it's just a two-way tie. It's a two-way tie for me. It's between Dunk City, Florida Gulf Coast in 2013, and this, simply because... They are the 215 seeds, 3 to Sweet 16. Now, if Oral Roberts can pull off another upset against Arkansas tomorrow, it will undoubtedly be the greatest Cinderella run of all time. Undoubtedly. But Florida's Gold Coast set the gold standard eight years ago. Now they've got to, they have to beat that and not tie it. I mean, ties are just no goes for me. Um, I'm going to say no. This is not the biggest um, Cinderella of all time, although they are definitely up there for advancing to the Sweet 16. I also did mention in my notes that FGCU or Dunk City uh, did the exact same thing in 2013. But I'm going to tell you, these are two classic teams. Actually, I didn't mention the other or the third one. So I'm going to mention three teams that I think are definitely better. 1983 NC State. Okay. They basically had to win the ACC tournament and then win the NCAA tournament to actually win everything because they weren't going to qualify at large. They had to go through uh, players like um, a guy named Michael Jordan from North Carolina. I've heard, of him. I've heard of him. You heard of him? You heard of that guy? Have you ever heard of Ralph Sampson? Uh, I've heard of him. Big guy from they Virginia. Had to beat him. They had to beat him twice. And then how about another Hall of Famer for you? How about Akeem Olajuwon? You know him? Five Simon Jenna? I do. Yeah, if I slam a jamma, they got to be Oh, Clyde Drexler, too. They had to beat him. So that was definitely like a Cinderella run, and they also went all the way. Then I have 1985 Villanova. 
I think they are the lowest seed to ever win the tournament. I believe they were a nine or an eight. It was one of those. It was one two. of those two. I think NC State was an eight, too. NC State was, an eight, and that was also like a. I think the tournament was short or not shorter. There was less teams in the tournament back then. And then the final one, I believe it was two thousand six. Feel free to check me on this one. George Mason going to the Final Four as an eleven seed. They ended up losing to Florida. But that team was a Cinderella, and they also got farther. So I think the problem I have right now is or not really a problem, but I think that the thing with Oral Roberts is that, yes, they're a 15 seed, but they've only gotten to the Sweet 16. They've won two games. I think they got to win more in order for me to call them a bigger Cinderella, especially over teams that um, actually won the tournament. So, yes, you were right. George Mason made that run in those six. But, I mean, it's just two different pieces of the puzzle because – no one ever expects a 15 to be the two. But at the same time, no one ever expects an 11 to make the Final Four. So, yep. I, no I one expected Ohio State to lose. So, I don't think I, I just I don't think either of us are in the wrong here, plain and simple. I would agree with you on that one. Well, time for the history lesson, boys and girls, where we honor great achievements of the past in the coming week. 43 years ago tomorrow, since we're recording this on Friday, tomorrow is March 27th, the Kentucky Wildcats defeated the Duke Blue Devils 94-88 to in the NCAA title game. Jack Gibbons scored 41 points to lead the Wildcats to their fifth championship. They have eight overall. 39 years ago, Monday, March 29th, when the greatest title games of all time took place between North Carolina and Georgetown. Stars came to play in this one, including James Worthy, Patrick Ewing, and a guy we mentioned earlier, a 19-year-old named Michael Jordan. That kid hit a jumper from the elbow with 17 seconds left to get the Tar Heels a 63-62 victory. And, yeah. Well, 18 years ago, Wednesday, March 31st, all glamour in Cincinnati. Great American ballpark, their current home field, open, and it was commemorated with a first pitch from the man himself, George W. Bush. The Reds lost the game, still a big day in the city, and Jackson, I can attest to Great American Ballpark. I went there summer of 2015. It was, abs- it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, I, I, I mean, I have grown less fond of Minute Maid Park over the years, I'm always going to love Fenway, but in the four, Great American Ballpark definitely set a high standard for ballparks. I've been to four in my life, Houston, Boston, Cincinnati, and Citizens Bank in Philly, but Great American definitely set a high standard. I've never been there, but you seem to be giving a good recommendation for it, so maybe I have to check out the Cincinnati Reds. But, you know, they're not very good, so no, we'll see how often I'm in Cincinnati. I'm used to the Marlins because I'm near Miami, and their stadium's like a spaceship. But anyway, let's let's move on, or Space Station. Let's move on. So three years ago, Friday, April 2nd, Villanova made its two championships in three years as they pounded Michigan 79-62. The difference maker in this one was Dante DiVincenzo, lighting up the Wolverines for 31 points. DiVincenzo is now hitting big shots with the NBA's Milwaukee Bucks. And with that, it's time for Who You Got. Let's break down all eight Sweet 16 matchups being played this weekend in order. First up tomorrow... Number 12, Oregon State versus number 8, Loyola Chicago. 2.40 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS. Jackson, which Cinderella plays on? The Liam. The power of Sister Jean will overpower the red-hot Oregon State Beavers, right? Beavers, I'm right on that? Yes. So both of these teams have played some pretty stout defense in this tournament so far. Um, But, yeah, it's just the power of Sister Jean. I don't understand how Loyola Chicago does this seemingly – it feels like every single tournament, even though it's only been two tournaments. 
but they just seem to get hot at the right time. They somehow beat these teams that they shouldn't be beating, like Illinois in the last round. Uh, credit to them. Oregon State has been on fire. But, yeah, power of Sister Jean. That's what I'm going with. That's what I'm relying on. I got Loyola Chicago winning a fairly close one, 75-67. So you've been down to no pulp, the shot produced at Citrus, right? You know you know the final words segment. And Noah Searson, yeah. who I talked about when I talked about the Big Ten earlier, he, he dedicated his final words of the show to Sister Jean's power. I mean, it's clear. I mean, Cameron Crowley, that dude, by the way, a great mustache, is a beast. He's a beast on the interior. He made Kofi Cockburn look absolutely terrible. And for that reason, give me Loyola Chicago to move on to the Elite Eight for the second time in three NCAA tournaments. Sister Jean, at 101 years young now, will continue to will continue to grow closer to the hearts of all Americans. Is she, is she 101 or 102? She's 101. 101. At least that, she was 101 last weekend. She may have had a birthday. I don't know. See, that, that's just March Madness for you. Uh, a 101-year-old a, a person is the determining factor of why I'm picking a team to win. It's just, it's just that random. But anyway, big matchup in the second window tomorrow as Colin Gillespie-less Villanova matches up with the number two overall team in the nation in Baylor at 515 Eastern on CBS. Liam, can Nova keep their hot streak going? I mean, yeah, Nova's been hot. They were able to handle Winthrop, who I had going to the 316, so kudos to them. They were also able to handle North Texas, Conference USA. Baylor's all another animal. I mean, at this point, I know I said Arkansas, but Baylor's looking like the favorite to go to the Final Four. Whether or not they will go to the Final Four, I'm sure I will touch on late Sunday night when we do our next episode. More on that later. But I've got Baylor coming out on top in this one. They're just a better team, plain and simple, especially without Gillespie on the Wildcats. I am definitely going to agree with you. Baylor, I wrote in my notes, Baylor, 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 and some more Baylor. So aside from Gonzaga, I think Baylor has clearly been the best team in this tournament. But, hey, it's March Madness. They could fall off the face of the planet tomorrow, or I think it's Saturday. They could fall off the face of the cliff Saturday. But the point is is that I think Villanova has done a very nice job silencing some critics. Um, they were coming into the tournament cold. A lot of people thought they were losing the first round to Winthrop. I didn't. I was smart. It was one of my only smart picks I made this tournament in my bracket. But um, I think the run ends for Villanova. I'm going to go Baylor in a fairly – I think it'll be close until about six or seven minutes left in the second half, and then Baylor will make a run that will end Villanova. I got 81-70, Baylor Bears. All right, all right. Well, America's darling, Oral Roberts – Attempts to continue their run tomorrow against Arkansas, 7.25 Eastern on TBS. Jackson, can the Golden Eagles continue their Cinderella one, which currently is tied for the greatest Cinderella of all time? It can't happen again, can it? It can. It can. Can it happen again where 15 Oral Roberts is going to the Elite Eight? A school named Oral Roberts going to the Elite Eight? Uh, No. Cinderella is going to end. I have Arkansas in a blowout. I really didn't do much research into this one because I am very confident that Oregon, that Arkansas is going to finally stop the madness of Oral Roberts. So I'm going to go 85-68 Arkansas. Unfortunately, I agree with you. Unfortunately, I agree with you. I mean, as much as we'd love to see Oral Roberts make run of the Elite Eight, Arkansas, they've, they've caught fire at the right time. I mean, they came into the tournament hot despite losing to LSU in the SEC semis. They've continued their hot streak. Started off slow against Colgate. Then they got it going. Then they pull out a close win over Texas Tech. A great win for them. 
Give me the Razorbacks. 82 to 60. All right, so it seems like we're in agreement that this is probably going to be a lopsided match. Yeah. All right, so last game tomorrow night is near and dear to both of us. Our Syracuse Orange matchup with Liam's hometown Houston Cougars, 9:15 Eastern on TBS. Liam, will people be up here be happy, or will they be kind of ha- or will they be happy in Houston? So first of all, I just like to point out I don't affiliate myself with the Houston Cougars in any way, shape, or form. The real college team in Houston good. is the Rice Owls. Let's go. As for the game tomorrow, give me Buddy Buckets. Give me Joe Girard. Give me Marek oh, Dolezal. Give me Quincy Garriott. I would be lying if I didn't think Syracuse was going to win this game. I would be, I would look like a fake fan if I didn't say Syracuse was going to win this game. There's a reason I say the Celtics are going to win it like every other year. It's because I am a fan. And now I go to this school. Give me the orange. 75-71 to the Elite Eight. Liam, I'm going to say this. I hope you're right, because I would love to see the Orange play even more. Um, I'm going to have to cover lacrosse after basketball, but hey, if we can keep uh, crossover season going, that'd be fantastic. Um, Let me just tell you this. This is just not a good matchup for the Orange. It's a terrible matchup. Um, Houston is a top five offensive and defensive team in the country. They're also a tall team because they rebound very well. Yeah. Where, where... I think Syracuse needs someone other than Buddy Bayheim to do something in this tournament. Uh, uh, Alan Griffin, like, is he going to step up and finally, like, show that he exists? Him and Gary. Him and Gary. Or is Jim Nance Gary wasn't bad. I wouldn't say Gary was bad. Yeah, I think he had 12. He had five blocks uh, in the Jim Nance pronounced, Or is Jim Nance pronounces it Gurrier? Uh, Gurrier. Uh, well, it's Nance. I'm going to give him a pass on that. Okay. Um, I was, I was pretty confident that Syracuse could beat San Diego State. I was very confident that they could beat West Virginia because West Virginia doesn't play defense. And if you don't play defense against Syracuse, you're going to lose. But Houston does play defense, and they also play offense, evidently. Not against top the top five in both categories. Not against the 2-3 zone. Not against the 2-3 uh, zone. Two, three. All right, all right. Well, West Virginia cracked it after about 10 minutes in the first half. They finally figured it out. So Houston with the week hopefully can watch enough film. Actually, hopefully not because I'm rooting for the Orange. But Calvin Sampson is not Bob Huggins. Calvin Sampson is not Bob Huggins. All right. <laughs> all right. I'm going to say that Houston is going to win this one, and they're going to break my heart. 68-63. That's where I'm going. People down at Citrus aren't going to be happy with you when I tell them in a few minutes. But let's get into Sunday's action. Paving ends with the number one overall seed, Gonzaga, taking on Creighton. 2.10 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Jackson, there's no chance the Bulldogs get upset, right? I think you mean the Blue Jays there, Liam. The Blue Jays? The Gonzaga, the Bulldogs get upset? The Bulldog, the Bull... Oh, oh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I thought you were talking about Creighton. Okay, well, it is Creighton versus Gonzaga. That is that is my fault. Um, there's only one thing I'm certain of in this tournament, and I'm not an expert because my bracket is in shambles, but just like everyone else's, but, you know, I haven't done great on my picks. I, it's, it's hard, but Gonzaga is good at basketball. I'm just going to say that they are very very talented at this sport um yeah they're overall pretty good and i have them in a landslide over the blue jays i don't think creighton stands a chance i don't think creighton is that good i'm going 91 70 gonzaga i'm not gonna go that far but yeah gonzaga is gonna win this game they have the best big three in the nation their one glaring weakness is center 
They don't have to worry about that until the Elite Eight, depending on who their potential opponent may be. More on that later. But I've got Gonzaga. Give me 89-72. Okay, you had them winning by 21. I had them winning by 17. That's not as drastic as it sounds again. No, but sounds, sounds like we're in agreement there. But still, yeah, Gonzaga should have no problem, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, so next up, Michigan is still dancing without star guard Isaiah Livers. Their next challenge is against ACC regular season champ Florida State at 5 Eastern on CBS on Sunday. Liam, can the Wolverines keep it going as the number one seed? I mean, they beat LSU, who I think is better than Florida State. LSU got screwed when they were given an eight seed. They got screwed. And I know that's hypocritical because I said I had St. Bonaventure upsetting them. But that's just March Madness. You had to throw some upsets in there. They got screwed. They should have been like a five or a six. So I don't think that Florida or Michigan has played a team as good as Florida State in the NCAA tournament yet. However, give me Michigan. Even without Isaiah Livers, they are battle tested. They're the only team left in the Big Ten, the supposed best conference in the country, but apparently that's the Pac-12. Who? Give me Michigan. Give me Michigan. Seventy-five, seventy. They keep their hot streak going. Liam, I have a little bit of a soft spot for Michigan because my cousin knows there. But I'm going to pick against the Wolverines. This is going to be one of my upset picks this weekend. I am going with Florida State. Florida State, listen to me, is really, really, really good. They I think are. they are better than what a four seed suggests. They are much better than that. They have five players to score at least nine points. They absolutely crushed a pretty good Colorado team. They're the team, I feel like, that nobody is talking about right now. I feel like they get no coverage. I feel like a lot of the coverage so far on television has been Gonzaga basically Gonzaga being amazing, Gonzaga being amazing, Baylor being amazing, and Syracuse because of Buddy Bayheim and Jim Bayheim. That's all the coverage right now. I feel like Florida State is just kind of sneaking a little bit under the radar, but they're going to beat Michigan this weekend, and then we're going to be like, oh, wow, Florida State actually has a chance to win this entire thing. I am going 65-62 Florida State. At the buzzer, I think Michigan is going to get a chance to tie them. I think Michigan is going to have the ball with a chance to tie on a three-pointer, and they're going to miss it. Ooh, That's my prediction. Okay, I like that. I like that a lot. So, as you said earlier, UCLA had to play in the first four to even make the field of 64. They're now in the Sweet 16. They're in to continue their run, 7.15 p.m., Sunday, TBS, Eastern Time, as they square off with Alabama. Jackson, can the Bruins take it a notch further to the Elite Eight? The SEC champs haven't shown any weaknesses this tournament and really all season long, which is why everyone's going to be shocked when UCLA wins this game. Oh, no. The Bruins have six players who score a double. They have six players who score a double figures. They play pretty good defense, and they are a better three-point shooting team than Bama. The tournament, the key to the tournament is making three-pointers and hitting your free throws. It's not exactly a strict rule because obviously there are exceptions like AKA, if you turn the ball over seven times, the other one turns it over seven, you're gonna lose. But it does give you a sense on who is going to win the game. UCLA is better than Bama in both those categories. I think they'll get just enough stops to win this one. I'm going very close, but UCLA 78, Bama 76 in an upset. First of all, Alabama has far and away the better coaching with Nate Olds. I'm just going to throw that out there. But what you are not talking about here is this Bama rotation is 10 men deep. It's 10 men deep. I mean, plain and simple. I mean, how can you not have a team that deep winning this game? I mean, granted, UCO has been playing very well, but Alabama 
They have 10 guys, five of whom would probably start on most other Division One teams. Plain and simple. Give me the tie by a score of 75. I mean, to I said 67. I had, I had look, to pick some sort look, of upset. Look, look, look. Granted, UCLA is a very, very good team. I'm not going to discredit them at all. But Alabama, in my opinion, is a whole nother level in this region. All right. What's your score prediction in that one? 75-67. Okay. Fair enough. So, all right. Finally, likely lottery pick Evan Mobley and USC will square off with Pac-12 counterpart Oregon at 945 Eastern on Sunday on CBS. Liam. Which Pac-12 team will make the Elite Eight? This game is coming down to star power, plain and simple. I think these two teams are fairly even for the most part, but stars shine brightest in March. And who is the biggest star of this game? The seven-foot-one big man, Evan Mobley. Give me USC 70-60. Liam, you hit on it perfectly. I was struggling with this one today. Um, I really don't know who's going to win this game. But when I don't know who is going to win, I will generally pick the team with the best player on the court. And that's evidently USC with Evan Mobley. He's the Pac-12 player of the year, Pac-12 defensive player of the year, Pac-12 freshman of the year. What else can I say? The dude is a beast. He's going to be a lottery pick in the NBA draft in all likelihood. Um, Oregon and USC both played some great basketball down the stretch. But USC just has the best player, and they're going to win 67-63. Yeah, well, we're in agreement on that one. Who would have thought? Yep. Finally. <laughs> all right. Well, folks, that's all we got today. I'm Jackson Holzer. I'm Liam Griffin. I'd like to thank Jackson for being my guest today, and thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram, at Full Court Press Podcast, and on Twitter, at Full CP Podcast. That's F-U-L-L-C-P Podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, Please DM the podcast or contact me. Please, please, please stay healthy, wash your hands, be safe, be positive, and get vaccinated when you get the chance. Looking ahead, we trek through our busy month of March. New episodes will be coming out in between each round of the NCAA tournament, recapping the past, predicting the future. We've also got our MLB preview coming out next week, in addition to our normal NBA, NHL, and NFL coverage. Stay tuned to Instagram and Twitter for new episodes. Our next episode will be released late on Sunday night, where we will recap 